Hey everybody, and thanks for tuning in to the Modern Cavemen podcast brought to you by Primal Goods Company. This week, we chat with our good friend, Mike Puente. Mike is a spiritual teacher and, for me, a spiritual and personal mentor. Uh, Mike's the founder of Lessons Lived, which is a platform that encourages everyone to share their unique life lessons with the world. And he also shares a lot of these lessons on his Lessons Lived podcast. Mike is also the host of Visionary Spaces, Psychedelics, Creativity, and Play, which is a podcast where Mike interviews masters of the visionary space, um, dealing with how universal consciousness drives intuition. Um, Some really, really interesting and deep stuff and has been life-changing for me. Mike's doing some, some really awesome work. As always, um, if you guys enjoy the show, please give us five stars on iTunes. And if you could share this episode with a friend who you think would enjoy it, um, that would mean a lot to us. And without further ado, enjoy the show. We appreciate all of you. Much love. Yo. What were you saying you want to talk about? I wanted to hear about the trip to Peru. Oh, for the kids? For the kids, yeah. Oh, yeah. So... So every year at the school, starting in th- third grade, um, they go on a trip. So in third grade, they go to like something called Full Belly Farm, and it's just like a farm where they milk cows, and they it's just like one night, you know, they milk cows and they do farm stuff, pick potatoes and things like that. And then in fourth grade, they go to um, a more classic like hiking kind of adventure. And then in fifth grade, they go either to Chicago or a more intense hike. In sixth grade, they go to Mexico or Japan for two weeks um, based on their language, what they're doing in class. Everybody takes Spanish, but some kids take either um, Japanese or Arabic or Chinese. Anyway, uh, most of the kids have gone to Mexico for two weeks, and they take classes in the Mexican classroom and do all this kind of fun stuff. And then in seventh grade, they have their big trip, which is to Europe for three weeks, and they have to earn all the money themselves for the trip. So they have like a cafe in school, and they're supposed to like... Um, they're supposed to like, you know, sell stuff, make stuff, you know, sell stuff on the street, babysit, all that stuff to raise about like 3,500 bucks for the trip. And they're supposed to like learn entrepreneurship and stuff like that. And then the, the cafe that they have there is also run for the group fund for the trip. Cause they have some things like theater tickets and stuff that they go see that, that the group has to kind of coordinate how we're going to raise the money for this thing. It's not supposed to just be funded by mom and dad mm-hmm. or by aunt Sally and uncle Jim or whoever it is. And then that all culminates to the to the Peru trip, or which is which uh, which is ends with a sit, forty eight hour sit with just water solo in the wilderness somewhere. It used to be in the Trinity Alps, but for the last four years they've gone to Peru and they've gotten some like medicine people and some indigenous people to help bring them along and stuff like that. And the kids and they sleep in, alone in, too, like in like a tent or something for forty eight hours. Totally solo. Yeah, which is crazy. <laughs> I thought I'd be scared to do that. <laughs> Just water. It's like a, I think he said it was like about a 14 feet clearing, 14 foot clearing, and just sits there, looks at the ants, <laughs> thinks about <laughs> whatever. <laughs> They're all doing it. They're all in separate clearings. So they can't see each other. And I guess if you yelled or something, you could hear other people. But you're alone. It's a lonely experience, yeah. Crazy. 14 years old, you know, just turn, uh, sorry, just turning 14. So most of them are 14 by then. So half of them, I guess, 
are not 14 yet. There's 13. Hmm? Oh, yeah. yeah. So they should be able to handle it. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, when you live to be 35. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you have to be a man by 13. <laughs> Whoa, so is that... And the goal is just to inspire, like, introspection or... Well, I think the whole, the whole like, thing with the school is, like, it's to help them have a good moral compass. So, um, yeah, to have a good moral compass is kind of, like, know themselves before they've gotten to the world and get contaminated by all this stuff. So, like, there's very little media. So, like, all the media that my kids have watched since... Well, the younger ones since ever and the older ones since second grade has been sort of monitored by us. So like, we're not like a no media household. Like some of the uh, houses, some of the families are like kids haven't seen anything like, or, or they see only like when they're older, they'll only see like educational sh channels like Nova and stuff like that, but they won't see any like Disney or any, any commercial stuff. We'll go watch, you know, all the commercial stuff, but we'll always watch it with them. Like they don't watch anything pretty much on their own. That's not supervised. So the idea is to like have them know themselves more before they get contaminated by the outside world. And then that since they're used to being bored, you know, cause otherwise, you know, how much, how much time do we spend on our phones and stuff? Always just clock, 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 just going. So, um, and we, they're, they're okay being bored. So they're, you know, they manage 48 hours by themselves, which would be hard for me to do, you know? So, This is a, this school in particular is, is, it's not, it's based on Waldorf, but it's like Neo Waldorf. So the woman who runs this, um, school, she's got 35 years in Waldorf education. She's like super smart on like teaching kids. And like, she just knows like just wise for teaching kids. Like she's amazing. Like how she knows how kids operate and stuff like that and how to develop, pull out the best out of them. <clears throat> and she and her teaching team, uh, have they take like the best aspects of Waldorf and then they kind of modernize it a little bit. So they don't uh, like traditional Waldorf will have the same teacher from K through eight, like following them through. And there's some pitfalls to that. Like, um, you know, your teacher, you might have a kid that in particular doesn't get along with that teacher. So they're fucked. You know, <laughs> they got to stay nine years with the same teacher. Like if I had sister Mary for nine years, I would have died, you know, <laughs> it would have been terrible. But so what they have is they have a teaching team. You know? <laughs> they have a teaching team. So the same teaching team stays with them all the year. So, you know, they have, uh, uh, some two or three teachers that teach math, two or three teachers that teach science, a couple of, a couple of reading teachers, English teachers, uh, all those kinds of things. And they follow them through the eight, eight years, but they're not stuck with one, with one sort Whoa. of thing. Yes. Which is really cool. So they're always moving back and forth. And if, if you have a kid that's really excelling at math, they'll just freaking put them in the next grade for math class. Like they'll just be with the next grade and it's like kind of seamless. And then, um, and then all the kids play together, all the recess together. So you'll see like kids, what I've noticed is with kids from that school are really, really good with little kids. Like they're just, you know, they see a little kid and they smile at them and they know exactly how to interact with little kids versus in the traditional school system, we have our kids like eighth grade is that, that eighth grade class, whatever is with the eighth grade class and they play together and they're, everything is together. And with the Waldorf kind of a thing, they have a, it's very, 
you know, it's very like the gang of the whole school kind of situation. So that, yeah, it's really cool. Yeah. It's really awesome. I remember growing up, it was like every grade had their section on the playground. Right. That's yeah. yeah like the right. eighth graders are like hanging out over here. Yep. The seventh graders are here. Fifth graders are here. Yeah. Super segregated. Um, it's well, that's natural. super cool. It is unnatural. No. If you're running around in a village with a hundred people, it's like, fuck, there's eight other kids here. I'm hanging out with all of them. Right. <laughs> and, and it's, uh, and kids don't develop at the same age. Sometimes, you know, it's good for kids to be able to hang out with kids that are a little bit younger, a little bit older than them. So they can, you know, learn from the older kids. And then if they need a little bit, if they want to feel, you know, a little special or like a little bit, have a little more mastery, they can hang out with the younger kids. So I think it's just awesome. Yeah. Right. Oh, that's true too. Right, right, right. Then he has to have a new person. Or if the teacher leaves, that's another criticism I've heard. Like the teacher has to leave for some other. You know, they get married or they, you know, have to change jobs or they want to leave communities or change careers, then all of a sudden it's disruptive. But, you know, it's worked for a lot of time. Right. Yeah. Wait, so talk about the reaction. He's in the woods for 48 hours. Yeah. And then he comes back. He comes back and all the kids, we, we had a, like a homecoming when, you know, we're all picking up all the kids at the airport and like... I was like, what, 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 how was it? How was it? And he's kind of quiet. He doesn't, he's like, that oh, was cool. It was cool. He didn't tell us much. <laughs> but then the next day or a couple of days later, he's all, you know, I was thinking, I want to play, I want to learn how to play guitar. I want to do jujitsu. I think CrossFit would be really good for me. I want to keep soccer. Like I'm interested in physics. Like he had like, <laughs> you could tell there was something percolating, <laughs> some kind of self, self stuff that was like, oh, okay. So that's what you were thinking about. Like you're taking, you know, you're getting to know thyself in that, in that thing. That's so cool. I, I mean, it took me until, you know, getting to a float tank a few years ago to even get to that point of loneliness and just being with myself. Um, yeah, that's so hard. Which is an hour. <laughs> and I'm almost 30. So, that <laughs> so we talk about that in a group that, that I go to once a week. Uh, I go to a men's group. And that's an, a theme that everybody, I think, in that group has struggled with at one time or another is like being able to be alone for some time. You know, some people struggle with, and I think I was that way a while ago, struggle with being by myself for even like a few hours. Like I'd be like, you know, I have to distract myself with something. Mm -hmm. Now I'm like, give me a couple of days to myself. Yeah. (laughs) That would be an interesting experiment to just like turn your phone off and go into the, I mean, going into the woods alone though, I would be fucking scared. I don't know. I mean, Safety protocols. I mean, you don't want to go by yourself, but maybe if you did it with a friend and you guys could hear each other if you needed to. Yeah, like, if you're getting like mauled by a mountain lion. Yeah. He would, he would come on. That's, and this is the guy I'd want there, too. Mike! Mike, help! Oh, my God. He would kill no problem. Oh, yeah. He would have a much more problem with 
No, bears are not fucking with Mike. <laughs> Dude, we talked to uh, we talked to Atlanta. You guys are going soon. Who? You, oh, Atlanta. Atlanta. Yeah. You guys are heading down there in what? Two months. September. Mm-hmm. Isn't it crazy? Went by fast. <sighs> by fast. I'm super looking forward to it. I mean, this is going to be with Paul, like the the one on one time, or the it's going to be two on one. So two on, I mean, yeah, yeah. So really, it's one on one. I was like, and it can come. <laughs> it's like it'd be great. You know? Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm wondering. I, I think about that. Especially with the Paul, the one-on-ones or the two-on-ones, whatever. It's like very like, what's my intention going to be for those? That's what I'm struggling with right now. It's like, you know, there's a lot going on. Right before I'm drinking the cup, right? I'm like, all right, I guess that's what it is. Go in there. Yeah. Sure. Before I know it, somebody tells me to get up. This is uh, uh, Mapacho. And you told me that too. That I remember thinking like wanting to go into it knowing the intention for all three. And you're like, dude, One at just, a time. just the first day and then you'll see what happens, you know? Yeah, that's for sure. I think it's 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 too overly planned if you're I mean in my opinion cuz you don't know what's going to happen on the first night and what you're going to get solved and resolved and maybe everything that you've been thinking about up to that time is resolved and something else might come up in that first in your first you know one time and then it's just about yeah overly planned it's kind of a problem I think doesn't help How do you think it's going to be different being which I mean first of all Paul is not quite a human. He's, you know, <laughs> this guy is <laughs> slightly elevated. Yeah. I mean, yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, it'll be interesting. I've thought about it. I've been thinking about it like every day I think about it. So I don't know what it's going to be like. It's going to be interesting to talk to him. He's going to, I'm going to interview him, I think maybe two times. Yeah. So I need to bank up a bunch of questions and make sure I don't squander the opportunity. Yeah. He's like, he's like ready to go. According to Dan, he's like, yeah, he's like, I'm ready to talk about this stuff. And I'm ready to talk to him. So, so. I just like hearing him. <laughs> I know. So and He talks and we're all just sitting there like everyone is completely yeah. still like mouths open. Yeah. What I like about how he talks about stuff is that, um, he knows like a lot of the science stuff that is totally legitimate. And then when he goes off into the like more woo woo stuff, he doesn't really contradict the science stuff. You like the little thing. Sometimes I'm like, oh, he's going to go there. And he's like, Oh, he kind of like evaded that little trap pretty well. Like, uh, and that's what I really like. Um, versus some people that will just take way li- too many liberties with what we do know scientifically. And then like, start making shit up and start talking about physics and things that doesn't make any sense. And, uh, and he seems to be able to toe the line really well. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. He doesn't look at all like a shaman to me. 
Like when you look at them, you're like, I don't know. This is good. I don't, uh, is this what I pictured? Not really. I kind of like pictured an elf or something. Yeah, I pictured some old bearded Dumbledore guy. You know, but the British his accent. Yeah, it's like it makes him sound a little more. Uh, I don't know. There's like a fanciness to it. You know. True. True. So you're like, oh, this guy, this seems legit. I'm picking well, up what you're putting the magic, down. The the magic of the uh, of the British Isles. So that's the thing. Like he's. You know the like the fairy magic and stuff like the M eight like the Aleister Crowley kind of traditions of of magic from Germany. I'm not Germany from England and Ireland. The whole fairy tradition. So he's apparently, and I probably don't know what I'm talking about, but uh, he spent a lot of time in India. Apparently, spent a lot of time in the Amazon with like natives learning the Amazon uh, the ayahuasca, you know stuff. And then he's also like immersed and really knows like the the magic traditions which is like the and i don't really know what they are but it's like the traditions about like the druids and that kind of stuff that and he kind of blends it all together and takes what he what works for the for the moment which i think is really cool and interesting that's why he's so interesting to talk to because he'd tell you about hawaiian gods and like what they mean and like what the you know what the hawaiian kind of religion was about and how it differs from you know the the second century Hindu something or other. It's just like, he just yeah. knows so much and can put tie everything together so well. And it's just fascinating. Yeah. You better bring a couple of extra memory cards. <laughs> that guy can go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I got plenty of memory. I'm not worried about it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so every time he starts talking, I'm like, God damn it, why didn't I bring a recorder to record this? But it's just so entertaining, like you don't want to get up to go run and get your phone or something to start recording because you don't want to miss anything. Yeah. yeah. So he's so anyways, we're sitting with Mike a good our good friend Mike Wednesday. Um we've known him from Project for at least five years. And and I want to talk about that. I want to talk about lessons lived. Yeah. In the past year, wow. So that's a long story. Well, I mean, uh, even how just lessons lived kind of popped up that one okay. night. Okay, cool. So that's a good. That's a good place to jump off. So especially since we're talking about uh, intentions. So when we went to Peru the first night, I had my intention. I don't even remember what it was. Um, I don't even remember what the first what first intention was for first night because we have three ceremonies. So I had a really good interesting ceremony the first night it was about i don't even remember what it was about or it was not important for the story but the next day one of the facilitators said you know i think you're going to come up with something interesting you should you should think about what your life's mission is or something like that it was uh osegi she told me that at breakfast in the morning and i was like oh, shout, out I was, I was shout out osegi <laughs> so i was uh so I was thinking about it. I was like, okay, well, that sounds like, I didn't, that seems kind of like a big intention to have. Like, I didn't really think that you could go and ask for this. So, so I go and I ask for, uh, what's my life's, life's purpose. And, uh, and during that, uh, second night, there was, there was one of the, 
one of the uh, participants at the ceremony that was a little bit off, a little bit on his own retreat. Like he was like on another level. Also, he was in the middle of the ceremony. He's doing like yoga and like he's not throwing up. He's just like seems like he's totally in control. <laughs> like I'm sitting next to this guy and I'm like, what the hell is going on? I'm all puking in my bucket and I'm sweating and like uncomfortable. And this guy's like doing handstands and yeah. stuff right next to me. And I'm like, Jesus Christ. And then, uh, and then I get this, this like voice or something goes and says, what, what could he teach you? And I was like, I don't know. He probably teach me a lot of stuff. And it says, and then, and then I started, uh, and it says, you're not going to, you're not going to be able to ask him what he can teach you. Cause he just took a vow of silence, but I forgot about that until right now. But, um, someday you can ask him what he has to teach you. In fact, everybody has something to teach you and all this kind of stuff. It started like giving me this whole thing and says, in fact, it started like honing like my mind or the medicine or the combination of the two started honing on honing to the question of the most kind of the most honest and forthcoming way to ask the question. What would you teach the world? You could ask this question to anybody and see what they would answer with the, with the, uh, the, the answer being something that they have come to from their unique life, their life experience and what, you know, they've lived up to this moment in time and says, so what would you teach the world based on what you've, you've been here on this earth, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 years. What would you teach somebody? What would you be able to tell them about what it means to be a human, what it means to live well, what it means to, to, to be on this earth, what it means to be good to one another, whatever it is, it doesn't matter what the topic is, but what have you come up with? So, uh, and then, so that came up as that being my, my kind of quest is to ask people that question and then the idea also came up, came, came to me to start a website that actually was like a, you know, for lack of a better word, a social media website, but basically a, 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 a collection of where people can log in and put their lessons into it and, uh, and record that so other people can then search these things. And if it was really done in how I, how I want it to be done, it means it would be like, a real honest, vulnerable place where people say like, you know, I learned this from my life. Um, and, um, and so Yoni's helped me basically did all the technical stuff. And then, um, with regards to the podcast that I'm working on, Yoni was like, you got to do a podcast about the same thing. And I was like, Oh, and I don't like what my voice sounds like recorded. So I was like pretty resistant to it. And then I was like, ah, I, I saw that the logic of it, um, to, to actually have a podcast where I'm asking regular people, regular, but interesting people is kind of how I've kind of defined my target, um, my target, uh, person that I'm interviewing about what they would teach the world. Like give them an opportunity a couple of days to kind of think about it and then talk about it. Cause sometimes it's talk, easier to talk about it than, than, um, than write it down if you're not a very good writer or whatever. And so far I've got about six or seven interviews in the can and they've been just really amazing because so far it's been mostly people that I've known and I've learned all this shit about people that I've known for six, seven years that I hadn't known. And then them having to come to me with the, you know, to answer that question has been really interesting and it's, it seems to be getting better and better as I do more of them just because I kind of know where to direct the conversation and stuff, but it's super interesting. And the lessons can evolve, which is the coolest thing. It's like right. what the thing that I learned I mean, for me, it seems like it's, I go through periods where it happens a lot more. Like my, my mantras are shifting and my, I'm, I'm growing 
I have more capacity to grow Mm -hmm. and my lesson will change with that. It's like, Hey, this is, you know, something you need to be taking away from your experiences. And then maybe there's a period where you're really focused on one specific lesson, but there's, you have the ability through your platform to almost keep a log. Like you could look back 50 years from now and be like, Oh, this is the shit that I was going for in 2017. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that's absolutely right, Matt. So the the platform has like, you can put in as many lessons as you want and you can also collect other people's lessons. So like, like if I liked one lesson that you in particular had written, I could click on that one and it would, it would be saved, uh, to lessons that Mike likes, for example. And then I'd have all of those. And then let's say Yoni came up and liked something that I had wrote and written and said, gee, I wonder what other lessons Mike liked. And then he could look at my lessons and he would be linked to your lesson amongst the other ones that I had collected. So it's got that kind of like, if you like what somebody writes or if you like somebody or you're just interested in somebody, you can go and see what are the things that they resonated with. So it's, it's, and then they can keep on writing as time goes by because we learn things as we grow. And, um, and yeah, exactly what you were saying. And normal people are interesting as fuck. I mean, sometimes you get into, you know, sit with an Uber driver and you have mm-hmm. like a 20-minute ride. Oh, totally. And they'll drop some shit on you and you're like, wow, I'm really glad that I mm-hmm. met you. I'm really Absolutely. glad you just told me that. I didn't think about the Uber driver, but I had a massage the other day and I was chatting it up with the therapist and she was <laughs> telling me all, like about her life and it was like super interesting and I told her about this project and then I asked her like what would you teach the world and she had like two like awesome lessons and I was like holy shit this is what a what a you know, like kind of way to connect with people it's really quite quite cool yeah yeah. Pure muscle. That's what, and if you look at like Mike and I standing next to each other, it's like, oh yeah, Mike maybe would need two women to get a full body <laughs> massage in an hour. Me, they could have like a you know a nine year old in there, like oh, I could cover this. Don't need very big hands. Uh, that was pretty funny. <laughs> All the domains of, like that you could in your life, right? There's, yeah, yeah. We looked at a lot of categories, uh, and Yoni helped with that too. Looked at a lot of different, uh, like professional coaches, and all these things to see what are the categories that like categories that they use for like different life categories, and then it seemed like 
you know, they probably all do the same process, but for me and for Yoni, when we were looking at them and I was compiling them, it looked like they were all missing one or two, or some of them were like two split off. They, you know, some people had like 20 categories, which seemed like a lot of them were like overlapping and didn't make sense to have them that many. <clears throat> so I took, I, I basically tried to select the categories that made the most sense in terms of so that we can categorize or people can categorize their own lessons along multiple categories. Like for example, we have uh, family relationships. Uh, there's friend relationships, and then another relate and love relationships because those are really different things. And mm-hmm. the way we interact with people based on if they're family, friends, or or our love our lovers is basically quite different. And like the lessons that we would learn from from how to interact with those people are kind of different and would be categorized differently. It'd be weird to have them all. But we have spirituality. We have work and career, and um, you know physical exercise, courage and self-improvement. So there's, you're trying to hit all the tar, all the, all the big life stuff. Or hope it. Right now, there's three lessons on the website. You have two, and I have one. We haven't told anybody it's up there yet, so. I'll I'll share with that group within the next couple of weeks. As soon as I got the podcast going, because I don't want to. I don't want there to be nothing, you know? Yeah. So as soon as the podcast is ready, like I have 10 in the can so that I can start releasing one per week without, um, cause I want people, the idea is I want people to like the Facebook page because Facebook page will start, they'll be, we'll be feeding lessons from the actual website to the Facebook page. Uh, the podcast will be on the Facebook page, you know, one per week. There's something to go to and something to pop up on people's feeds if they're interested in kind of active reminder. Um, so once that's there and there's something for people to actually go and sink their teeth into, then I'll, I'll put that out to even the smallest group. And then once we have like 50 or a hundred lessons, so there's something to actually read on the website, then I'll start pushing it out to more people because right now with three, it's kind of like, wow, there's nothing on this thing, but yeah. Yeah. Right. Well, you got it done. 
Oh, yeah. Well, I don't know. I don't know what, you know, this is part of, I don't know what came from me, what came from my schooling, what came from uh, being interested in, like, I'm literally interested in almost everything. So, like, I, I could read about any topic, like whether it's esoteric, weird, like a philosophy stuff, or if it's science stuff, or if it's, uh, it doesn't matter. It's just, I just can read about anything. I really enjoy reading about a lot of stuff. So, um, um, so I just have, I just, I don't know. It, I think that's, I don't know. That's a question. I feel stumped because I don't know how I came up with the marketing plans. I do have an MBA in marketing, but it's like, you know, 20 years old now. So the internet was just starting. <laughs> so no one even knew. I don't even think there was Facebook at the time, but, um, but you know, I keep my, my eyes and ears open all the time to see how things work. And, you know, I have a regular business, um, that pays the bills right now. And, and we don't do any of that stuff. We think about it. We wonder about it, but we don't do anything. It's brick and mortar, uh, business. Well, um, part of that mentality you have to always learn and, and want to understand more is probably, is the reflection in lessons live, right? Yeah. I mean, you're just, it's just more of a versus some topic or some theory. It's now based on more a personal relationship or a personal connection. That's a good point, Matt. And that's what I've been finding is like when I get, when I interview somebody or when I expect to be reading people's lessons from their lives, um, I don't know where it's going to go. I don't know what they're going to bring to the table. And it's almost always been a total surprise as to what they say. Like my expectations for what I, from what I know about the person with what they come up with is almost every time been like, Whoa, didn't know this about you. I didn't know that about you. And you know, uh, so it's, it's always, and that makes it even more interesting to me because if it was stuff that I already knew about them, it wouldn't be that, that, that interesting. But, um, but yeah, so I guess just a, having an open interest to, to everything makes, makes it makes the project especially interesting for me because I'm happy to learn about everybody's life. It's just people are interesting. Like you're saying the Uber drivers. Yeah. I talk to every Uber driver. And that mentality, I think is part of the reason too, that you're such a good teacher. And, um, like, like Yoni said, a shepherd, you really are a shepherd. I mean, you got us through that whole experience. And I mean, not even necessarily in ceremony or, you know, directly, but just the little, you know, in between conversations, you've, you can tell you've done a lot of work and you pay not only on yourself, but you pay really close attention to yourself and to other people. And I think that, I mean, lessons lived is going to give you even more insight into other people and how they function. And it's going to help you to develop even more. Yeah, I hope so. I mean, that's the, that's the plan. I mean, I've done everything that I've gotten from the, uh, psychedelic journeys has been a net positive. I haven't been steered to human sacrifice or anything like that. <laughs> you know, was, not yet. Paul is Paul is always saying like, you know, it's not, you know, there are people who on the, you know, on psychedelics have thought that human sacrifice was a good idea, you know, the, the Aztecs and stuff like that. Uh and uh so how do you know if the ideas that you get under the influence are good or bad? And that's kind of a I think that's where you have to <clears throat> Where I, what I do is I look to see, so far I haven't gotten anything that seems bad, but I think there's an intuition of whether it makes sense or not. Like if you get, if you get some, get some crazy ideas, uh, then 
that don't make any sense with your own morality or your own like moral compass, then it's probably not going to be a good idea. Uh, probably not a good, a good way to go. Um, but everything that I've gotten from, from, from the, from the journeys and from the experimentation that I've done has all been massively positive for me, like life changing, just like in not one experience, but the culmination of all the experiences. How do you approach someone? And I try, I say the same thing. Um, that it always ends up being net positive, no matter what. I mean, I guess we can only speak from our own experience, right. but people who might have some interest in an experience like this, mm-hmm. and they feel some sort of calling, but obviously there's, I mean, you saw me, I was fucking terrified. Um, <laughs> and I still have, I know that I'm going to do it again. I don't know when I'm going to go back down to Peru, and I'm already terrified for that. Sure. Um, You'd be crazy not to be. <laughs> yeah. Those are the people, people that are like all... Oh, I think when I first went, I was my first one. I was, I was a little bit too, I was terrified, but I was a little bit too like, ah, I got this. I'm a tough guy. I can handle this. And I got my ass handed to me, <laughs> like fully handed. I was like, what the fuck am I doing down here? I'm never doing this again. I was just like in hell. And then, uh, and then I got through it and I was like, that was amazing Yeah. <laughs> afterwards. So how do you help people? decide if it's right for them or when is right. Well, I think, well, I think that anybody who's not contraindicated to it, meaning that they don't have like bipolar or schizophrenia and stuff like that, um, should do it at some point in their life with a, you know, a, a guide in the right set and setting. Like they should do it very consciously with the right intentions and like, and do it. So I don't think it's wrong for anybody to do it as long as you're not contraindicated to it, to it. Like whether you make it a regular practice as I have, or you do it once or twice, that's up to the individual. Um, cause there's some people that get, some people that get sucked into the, into the hole, they get addicted to going, I think, I think, and I'm talking because I see some people that go, I think a little bit too often. They don't seem like they're making a lot of progress. Like a bliss junkie, a bliss junkie or something like that. <clears throat> Um, I, my, the strategy that I use is I try and, so I have my intention, I do my ceremony or my, my solo experience, uh, if I'm using mushrooms and I get my answers and I kind of, so then I have my answers and I got my homework. And then, so I know what I got to do, like lessons lived. It's been a year long homework. I've only done, you know, a couple of, of journeys since then. Like I haven't done ayahuasca in like six months, um, because I've been working on my intentions from my last one. Then once, once I'm kind of like done, like, I'm kind of like, okay, I need, I need the next homework assignment. Then I go back in and do it again with the terror that you were talking about and like all the trepidation and all the concern and all the worry that it's going to be an intense and uncomfortable experience. But then I come up with a new intention of whatever I need in my life. At that point in time, I go into that visionary space and I get the answers that I'm, that I'm, that I'm not aware of because if I knew the answers, I would not endure that. And, uh, and then come back and then get my homework assignment, I call it, and then work on those on that. And so to the extent that you are, uh, that, 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 that model works for somebody. I think it's a good model. And then some people, I think if they're stuck or they have, they feel like a victim or whatever, they have some kind of trauma that they're dealing with all their time. It's like a great way to get through that in an evening and then be like, Oh wow. I, I understood. I've seen some, some massive breakthroughs, uh, of people, especially on their first couple, 
you know, where they're like, oh my God, I didn't realize that this is how my family worked this way or whatnot changes everything. Mm -hmm. And then they can go on from that day forward, looking at life completely differently. Yeah. And I notice that a lot with people, especially like, you know, folks that struggle with maybe really acute anxiety, or you can just tell that they are so much in their own Mm -hmm. head and in their own way. Yep. I so badly want to encourage them to like, Hey, I think this could be really beneficial and it might be really fucked up. And there might be a period of time where you are hating me for encouraging it. Um, but then there's the other side of me that's like, this is not your place. Like you have to let it come to you yeah. in a way, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I mean, there's, there's, you don't want to push it on people, like, like be a pain in the ass about it. But <clears throat> if someone's totally unaware of it as existing in their world, to say, hey, this exists out there, and then I believe that if it's for them, once you've brought it up to them, just like the way it came to me, like so I. There's a story that it came, how it came to me, but all of a sudden you'll start seeing it everywhere. Like, it's not like, uh, if someone, if, if you're interested in it at all, if it feels like it's calling you a little bit, all of a sudden you will be overwhelmed by the universe giving you messages that you got to try that. And they might be hating you, but not after the ceremony. They'll be hating you during the ceremony. Yeah, yeah that's what I meant. <laughs> if, if they're having an intense time, which doesn't necessarily, it doesn't always have to be intense. Like it can be amazing. Like it can be like the most blissful, amazing, like connected to the universe kind of experience also. It's just not always that way. You yeah. Know, I think it's terrible. <laughs> it's kind of like Yelp reviews too. I mean, you, a right. lot of times you only hear about the, like, you know, right. when there's like the hair and the food kind of thing. That's true. Yeah. It's a good way to think <laughs> about it. Yeah. Right, right, right. Right. And people like to kind of... <laughs> That's what I do. I always look at the one stars. <laughs> yeah. Right. Something for a heart or whatever that is. Mm-hmm. Rough. <laughs> I felt bad for you. <laughs> Imagine that the work 
one of the worst times we ever had in the ceremony, but he received it after the second second ceremony, not committed, but he of the worst times we've had three different Oh yeah. We both went through some hard physical things more than things where we feel bad about behavior hmm. or missing out on something. There's some there's some human body and consciousness and all that are just very complex systems and this is experience of being there versus doing something here. I mean, obviously you've had tons of powerful experiences here, but I think really submerging and disconnecting. And I mean, the daytime, just the time spent in the sacred Valley is reflecting and journaling and even reading. It's, it's all part of it. Right. The medicine does so much like it does X. It, it, It constitutes X part of the equation, but then there's the rest of the equation, which is, uh, which is the rest of it, the most of it, you know, people talk a lot about integration and stuff and how important it is. And it's it'd be crazy not to talk about that and say how important that is. Cause like you say, the medicine will give you the, the homework and then you got to do the homework. Cause if you just leave the homework for another, you know, like you're in high school and you're like, I'm not going to read that book or whatever, the, it, it, it's going to haunt you the next time you go. What's the first thing that the, that the medicine's going to tell you is you haven't done your fucking homework from last time. You can't move on until you take care of that shit. And, when you're when you're doing if you do ceremonies or stuff here in your regular life, what happens is you do the ceremony, you have this blissful time or you have this amazing time, you get all this information, and immediately the you know, you start getting the pull, the distractions from your uh from your regular life. You know, the wife, the girlfriend, the kids, the work, everything, you know, starts impinging on that and you don't have that immediate time to like think about what you learned the night before and and work on it and start gaining a game plan for how you're gonna take care of that home how you're gonna take care of that homework problem in your life. But when you're down there, not only is it literally like I mean, for me it's like one of the most beautiful places. Oh, for sure. When we went there it was a little bit on it wasn't as green as it normally is because we were there at the end of the the summer season. But it is I'm sorry, winter, whenever it was, I don't know what it was. It was, um, it wasn't as green as normal with as many flowers, but it was still like super gorgeous. Oh I mean, yeah. With the condors flying up there and it's, it's spectacular. And so just to be in that environment and, and be able to take it in and know that that medicine comes from that area. And like, it's just, I don't know, it's just something, something next level about it. Or it's the altitude. <laughs> yeah, or both. <laughs> how, both. <laughs> how would you advise people go about finding um, 
the means of achieving one of these experiences. I mean, it's not like you can just go on and fucking Google ayahuasca now because it's becoming more popularized. Yeah, and that's a problem. And the vetting process of, I mean, there are very few people that I would be willing to go through that experience with that I know right now. I mean, one of them will be Paul and the other one will probably be you, honestly. Um, and I wouldn't want to do it with anyone else because I don't know enough. And I right. feel like I'm relatively close right. to the game compared to most people. Yeah, people do it very... Um, this you do not want to drink this shit on your couch at night. Kind of like... No, you, I wouldn't do... I would do... I'm happy doing mushrooms by myself. Um, you're a savage. I, I can't... Oh, my no, God. I'm, I'm happy doing that. But yeah. I do... I don't just go and like, you know, oh, I got a couple hours to kill, pop them in. Like for me, I make a whole ceremony around that. But the ayahuasca, I would not want to do it by myself because I think there's more to it. It's, it's a totally different pattern of the experience than, than mushrooms. And it, um, and I, I wouldn't, I would definitely want somebody, not only the, uh, medicine person or the, the, the head, the, the shaman for lack of a better word, but also the facilitators that they have to be able to like take care of somebody if they needed something. I think that in the ayahuasca circle or whatever, I've had a lot of, I've had a lot of experiences where the participants have something to do with telling me about my intention. So I've had <clears throat> like for the lessons lived, like the whole thing that, that, that one guy that was a little bit on his own, uh, he was, Oh, by the way, the vial of silence turned out the next day. I don't know how I knew that he wasn't he talking. He, yeah. he wrote when we were doing the, the, walking, circle, around the pad, huh? walking around with the pad and he says, oh, I took a vial of silence last night. And I was like, what the heck? <laughs> because I, you know, cause I got that, download that he's taking a vial of silence. It's not like he whispered over to me and said, Oh, by the way, Mike, I'm, at, I, I'm taking a vial of silence tonight. This guy was doing, if you got anything to ask me, ask me now. But, uh, if he wasn't there and I wasn't kind of, I don't know that I would have had that, you know, that he has something to teach me or had another experience, uh, in my first time I went to Peru where there was a guy that started like freaking out, became rude and like how the whole thing. And I, and I got to understand what my masculine side and my feminine side, and it just would not have come there if that guy wasn't there. He left the next day. It was like his purpose for me had been served. It was, it's just, it's just a totally weird thing. Uh, so I would definitely not do ayahuasca by itself, by myself. And a lot of people on the ayahuasca forums are talking. There's a lot of people that are like, Oh yeah, just do it by yourself. And shamans are for nothing. And I'm like, I don't think so. And I, I wouldn't do it on your first time. It's, I think it's way harder than mushrooms. Mushrooms, I think are a lot softer, way harder than mushrooms, way level two, way more intense. Even. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, for sure. And then it, it, the difference between mushrooms and, and ayahuasca too is mushrooms, you get to come up, you coming up, and all of a sudden you peak. And then you, then you slow down and you kind of taper off a nice, easy edge. And that's the, for me, that's the part where, where you want to get your download. The come up is the intense part where you're like kind of freaking out and you're like, gotta, gotta, but then the second, the second half, the second two hours is where you can kind of like start 
turn off the music and start thinking about what it is that you want to think about. But with ayahuasca, it comes up and it comes down. They call it a snake because it wiggles back and forth like a snake and it comes up and it comes down. And it comes up and it comes down. And it comes up and it comes down. But, um, in, to answer your question about how you find, how you find this thing, um, it's tough because there's the more like visible, I think the more money hungry they are. And in terms of like, they're doing it not to help people as much or they help people, but it's more, I don't know. I think you have to find somebody who knows somebody who can actually vet them and then ask them a lot of questions. Make sure it's not just some, you know, some gringo that just started doing this last, you know, his first session was to, cause every like, you know, 22 year old guy wants to be a shaman. You know, that's what, that's a joke. Um, that they're like, oh, yeah, I can do this, you know? And, you know, and there's, a, there is of course, you know, stories of a lot of abuse that happen with these kind of younger shamans and they, you know, people are in a vulnerable state and whatnot. And, and there has been a lot of, uh, of that. So you really have to, you really have to make sure you know where you're getting your stuff from and, and have that thing super vetted. Uh, so if you want to go to like, what's the place that uh, the real famous one, uh, Rhythmia, that, Arrhythmia, like Rhythmia that, down Rhythmia. in Costa Rica that has like great reviews. Yeah. Everybody loves it. Like, I don't know why that's like an easy go for that mm-hmm. or, uh, it's bougie. It's, it's bougie. comfortable. Yeah. Like if my mom was going to go, she'd probably want to go somewhere that's, yeah. I mean, where we were was, I mean, it wasn't like bad by any means. It was just, it was like a little more simple. Right. Yeah. So I like, and then, and then, yeah. And then the other thing is that I think a lot of these places have their own, uh, the, the resorts in, in Peru and in, in Ecuador have their own kind of, uh, spin. Like, I think, uh, if I could talk about the place where we went, um, Camino Sagrado, which has the worst website that's ever been, the, the website doesn't even make sense. It's terrible. You don't even know how to, how to pay. It takes like an hour <laughs> yeah. to figure this out. You need a, a guide to get through the website. Um, but if I, if, you know, talking about the, uh, the facilitators there and the kind of, and the kind of what I feel is their kind of, uh, goal. And what I talked, I talked to Selena, who's a head facilitator down there. And she says, kind of bringing people from the West and opening up their heart and really a concentration on bringing in a feminine spirit and the sacred feminine to, to, the, to, you know, to gringos for lack of a better word. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the reasons why I like going to that place in particular is because I'm so like, you know, masculine centered. I like to go there and get a charge of that kind of like feminine center. And now I think, especially with the new shaman that they got, which is this lady named Carmen, who's a female shaman and she sings. And apparently her music's super, super beautiful and super heart opening that it's going to even be more in line with the vision that Selena has for that place in terms of it being very heart opening. Like that's, you know, open your heart. Um, there's a lot of places that I've read about that sound like they're more traditional. They have a shaman that doesn't even speak Spanish. He sings his Icaros. To me, like I wouldn't want to go there, whether it's comfortable or not. They get these native uh, shamans, and this would be very controversial what I'm saying, uh, that there's no con- real connection with with us that we live in San Francisco. We live in the West, and like there's just like I just there's no relation, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure it's great and I'm sure it works, but you can't really talk to them afterwards. And what am I experiencing? What all this kind of stuff that's all missing. They may not even, like I said, they might not even speak Spanish that, you know, they are, might be only, they might be great 
curanderos, but they are not, you're not going to be able to have a conversation with them. They might be really good at working with the medicine, but I think it's really important to be able to like talk to the, talk to the facilitators and the shamans afterwards. And they also will, sorry, I'm just going on. No, please do. They'll also loving it. They'll give you the ceremony at night and the next day they'll feed you, but you're on your own. (laughs) You know, they're kind of like, you know, integrate here. It's now it's time for you to integrate. Yeah. But versus at Camino, they have like all these like nice little that you can choose to be part of. You can, they have these nice little, um, what do you, what do you call activities? Like hikes, yoga, breath work. Yeah. yeah. And like that emotional release thing that we did with the sound bath. Yeah. All that stuff they have there that kind of like a, it's entertaining, but B it's really healing. It's really nice to try all these different kind of modalities that, you know, I don't go to see, they have a sound bath at Grace Cathedral every couple of months. I've never been, but it's nice to have the opportunity to do it while you're there. Yeah. Our friend Simona puts that on. Oh, really? I heard it's awesome. Yeah. I've wanted to go for a long time. That's why I brought it up. Yeah. Yeah. from each other like eye to eye contact for a couple minutes intense yeah yeah for me too i'm not going to to all these um quote unquote spiritual modalities that we have access to here is it i don't know but but when I was there and it's there and it's, it's pushing my edge. Like, it's like, I don't know, this is not something that I'm like comfortable normally doing. Like, uh, but then having the opportunity to do it in a safe place where I feel comfortable and it does push my edge and I get something out of it, but, but it's there. It's easy to, to try it. Where do you think this is taking everyone? I mean, you see, I mean, especially like a guy like you, big macho, you back squat. How many times can you squat 500? 500? You can get a couple reps, right? I think probably three reps, four I'm reps. like, you're a monster. I mean, but you have this, uh, like, deep, deep gentleness to you. And I think a lot of that has come from your work with plant medicine, wouldn't you say? I think so. Like, I, come out. I mean, it's obviously yeah, yeah. always in no, you, but... I, yeah, I think I've always been gentle. I just, I remember being on the airplane going down there and saying, I think, I don't know, it's, it's yeah, it's definitely my heart's way opener. I didn't, I didn't know that this whole, like, world kind of, and I don't mean the psychedelic or the, the, the psychedelic world, but I didn't know that there was more to being a human than what I was experiencing before. Like, there was a big, a big chunk of my current life that didn't exist before, and that's that's slowly been coming in like your buddy with the alcohol. I used to drink, you know, two to four IPAs, like almost every day, like almost every day, like two to four IPAs. And then if we go out to like a party or something, I'd have, you know, six or eight, you know, a good, a fair amount of booze. And now I hardly drink at all, but it's not because I, it's not even at all. Like, I don't have a feeling like I was trying to not drink or anything like that. It's just, I kind of like realized that a lot of the drinking had to do with 
feeling more comfortable. Mm. And then through the plant medicine, I feel more comfortable regularly. And then I just don't find my, I don't really have a taste for it. Last night we went out to dinner with my wife and I ordered a glass of rosé and I drank half of it and left it. And I was like looking at it. I was like, I'm wasting six bucks on the table. Uh, <laughs> and I really don't feel like drinking it, but that would be like blast for me, for me like three years ago. Uh, and so it just, it just softens you up. Like it softens you up, makes you more human. And I don't know what the broader picture is with regards to what that's going to do for society as a whole, because it is getting more popular, not just ayahuasca, but all the psychedelics it's, it's decriminalized in Denver and it's decriminalized in, um, in Oakland. And people are talking about it as, you know, as something that's going to change the world again. Uh, you know, phase two psychedelics 2.0 after the, you know, Tim Leary and his gang of fools screwed it up the first time. Mm -hmm. So I don't know, but it certainly makes, certainly opens up a whole world of, of things that are harder to get to with, um, non entheogenic substances like meditation and stuff. I think you could totally get there. There's, uh, artistic techniques, music, uh, drumming, uh, sound healing baths, all this stuff. You can get to this, what I call a visionary space, but there's nothing as, um, there's nothing that works quite as, uh, hundred percent foolproof way to get into visionary space as psychedelics. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if I'm meditating every day, maybe one day a month, if I'm lucky, can I get into some sort of uh, I guess consciousness. You, yeah, right. it's just some it's just some sort of different state. Yeah. Um but it's nowhere near if you're, you know, drinking ayahuasca or taking some mushrooms. It's... And it's super good. That's another thing. It's super good to have a meditation practice or something on the regular because it helps you a lot. Like I found that that meditation, like I don't meditate a lot, but I try and do like 10 to 20 minutes a day, usually 10. Uh that that helps a lot so when you're having an intense time to just be able to like, okay, focus on your breathing kind of thing and like bring it somewhere else. And then, okay. Whew, and then that goes away. It's a super good skill to have. Yeah. Right. That's a good app, man. A month? Right. I mean, what else do you spend? You to, uh, what else do you spend thirty bucks on? It's like so many things. Didn't even have to be that fancy. Spend, I'll spend thirty bucks at uh, what's it, Super Duper. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> yeah, the app. The, the app's fantastic. Yeah, it's a Sam Harris app. Just uh, Sam Harris is uh, he is a beast. Yeah, and he's an interesting guy too because he's like a secular guy, but he brings all this like a spirituality, meditation, and mindfulness to, to people. And it's kind of an interesting juxtaposition. Yeah. yeah. I, I was, was going to say, I can't wait to see his lessons. <laughs> Dude, that guy's just all lessons. Yeah. Right. <laughs> but, well, uh, 
I wanted to actually bring up another thing yes. because through the Lessons Live podcast, I started realizing that I had regular interesting people that, you know, for the lessons. And then uh, Yoni was telling me, you got to interview Paul when you go down there. And I was like, Paul is not the fit for the Lessons Live podcast. <laughs> Paul, can you teach us a lesson from your life? It's not really that. So, <clears throat> so I, I'm working on this other podcast called, it's going to be called Visionary Spaces, Psychedelics, Creativity, and Play. And the psychedelics, creativity, and pretend play, like what, what kids do, they're all related very much in like your brain has a lot of commonalities in terms of the brain states that happen under all those three things. And so I call, and I think I call, I'm coining this word, visionary space is that space where you get into, where you, um, you connect universal consciousness, source, God, whatever you want to call it, connects with your intuition. So throw thinking out the window. This is just like a download, what they call the download in the psychedelic community. And, uh, and so I'm going to interview Paul like that under that format. I'm going to talk about my ideas with regards to what visionary space is and how it relates to creativity, play and, uh, creativity, play and, uh, and psychedelics. And then it's also found in nature and all kinds of different things talking about that. And I have a bunch of other guests that I haven't, you know, haven't approached yet, but I know that it will be really interesting to talk to. Yeah. I think people will find that uh, also just getting a little more clarity around. I mean, it's still very mystical in a way. Mm -hmm. And I think that's why people are scared of shit that they don't understand. Right. Yeah. And I mean, that's probably still why I'm scared for my next journey. That's not even on the calendar yet. Yeah. Because I don't understand what it's going to be. Right. And I mean, the, the idea of not having control for me, there's, there's nothing yeah. worse. And that, I think, and that's where, um, where I'm talking, where I'm, where I'm the heuristic of visionary space and that thing about universal consciousness, uh, bringing, you know, connecting with your intuition, that heuristic thinking about when you're in the psychedelic space or the non, non-regular reality or whatever you want to call it, that has helped me a lot to be like, Oh, now I'm in visionary space. I'm connecting with with everything kind of thing. And that's helped me a lot. And I think it'll help a lot of people. And if I, I listen to a lot of YouTube about psychedelics and stuff and 90% of it's really garbage. It's just trip reports from people who have, don't have a lot of experience. And they're like, ah, I did ayahuasca and it was crazy. And this is what my intention was. And this is what happened. But it doesn't, I don't think it's helpful to anybody it either. Sensationalize is their experience and sensationalizes the, the, um, the experience in general, and it, but it's not helpful for someone else to get some information from it because it'll either freak them out or, or make them not want to do it. Or there's also so much misinformation about, about these things. Like, like, um, it's just crazy. The mis people say these like rumored and, and, uh, rumored, um, ideas. Like, like give an example. Give an example. Um, like a lot of stuff regarding the dieta, like what you're supposed to eat ahead of time. Um, a lot of it is just basically don't eat too much shit so you don't puke, you know. But people get into this whole thing. Oh, you don't want to eat meat because you're going to be the spirit of the animal is going to come. Like all this cockamamie nonsense. You know, the person I go to in Berkeley serves chicken soup the day after. Like it's all different. It's basically you don't want to eat hot food. You don't want to eat a lot of fat. You don't want to eat anything that you're going to, that's going to be 
long to digest so that you don't have a bunch of food in your stomach. It's kind of, it's better to fast if better than anything, but a million people will disagree because they have all these cockamamie ideas about what the diet is for. And then there's, then there's the real uh, dietas where people diet a plant, which is different. And they use the same word for both of those things. So there's the diet for before you do the ayahuasca ceremony, which is you basically want to want to show up clean. So you're not going to be throwing up a bunch of you know burgers and you know, milkshakes and stuff. And, and then there's the, when they diet specific plants, like the shamans in the jungle, they work with a whole bunch of plants and they work with this different spirits of the plants that live. That's the, that's the methodology down there. And what you do is you, you, uh, and I've never done this, but you will do like a one hour meditation in the morning and one hour meditation at night with a particular plant, be that mint or a special mint or be that redwood or oak or whatever. And you'll, you'll take that as a tea or as a tincture or just have a, a sprig of it. And you'll meditate on that for like an hour in the morning and at night. And then you keep a very light diet so that you're, you're constantly communing with the spirit of that plant. And that's another kind of dieta. And it's, it's usually like two weeks or 30 days. And sometimes it's solo in the jungle and they bring you food. Like if you do it traditionally, they put you in a, like your own little room there and you're just basically you and that plant for like 30 days communing with the spirit of that plant. And that's level three shit for me. Like I'm not going there right now. Yeah. I think Samia said that she did that when we were down there, right? A lot of people have done that. That's a big part of 30 days in like a little tiny shack just by yourself in the jungle. Yeah. And she said they were drinking ayahuasca like every few days, right? Ayahuasca as part, you know, at night, but then during the day, they're just basically doing a very light, clean diet and drinking. Like if you're doing mint, some particular kind of mint or wild cucumber or whatever, you're drinking like jugs of this tea and meditating on the, on the plant and each plant, you know, like with herbs and stuff like that, they all have different things that they're good for that actually real medicinal values, but, uh, real medicinal values. But, uh, in the shamanic tradition, I think it's the spirit of that thing that's doing the healing, not the pharmacology behind it, but it's super interesting. It's super interesting. Yeah. Mike, thanks so much for the work you're doing, man. You're so inspiring and you've, <laughs> change the shit out of my life. I guess I was talking about that book. <laughs> It's dense. <laughs> so dense. <laughs> well, that's why I'm reading it again and again. <laughs> cool. Thank you, guys. I love you both. And it was so much fun actually going down there. And I, I, I listen to this podcast, hear you guys' voice, and it brings me back to, to our friendship, and it's a beautiful thing. Yeah, and we're going to get down there again um, sooner rather than later. 2020. 2020? It's on the – my hands just started sweating <laughs> when you said that shit. Oh, my God. I'm like, oh, no, now it's, now it's on the Set calendar. <laughs> we're back, baby. <laughs> So people could find you at lessonslived.com. Lessonslived.com. Yeah. Uh, 
And if they're interested in being on the podcast, they think that they are not, they think if they want to share their lesson and uh, from their own life, they can uh, email me at Mike at lessons live.com or info at lessons live.com. And in the meantime, it'd be great if anybody that listens to this goes to the website, logs in, makes a profile and actually takes the time to think about their life and, um, and write down a lesson about their own life. And also another quick thing is if they see people on the street, treat people as if they have a lesson to teach you. Cause I've been trying to do that. And someone cuts me off in traffic and it's crazy to be like, instead of getting like, fuck that guy, be like, Oh, that guy's it's easy. It's, it's, it's weird to think about that. They had something like if you had a conversation, a cup of coffee with them, a cup of tea with them, that they would actually be able to like teach you something. And all of a sudden it gives you compassion for them. It's just a cool, like little, little way to be that helped me anyway. Wow. All right. You're a deep dude. Thanks so much, Mike. I Thank appreciate you, you, brother. Thank you, Mike. Take care, people. Yeah. Thanks everyone. And we'll talk soon. Much love.